Scott Lee founded his consultancy in 2016 with a focus on companies scaling from zero to $25 million in ARR. Scott serves as the CEO and founder of Scott Lee's Consulting and works with both domestic and international companies on sales strategy, playbook creation, RevOps processes, recruiting, and coaching and training. He works with a dozen or more companies at a time as a strategic advisor, teaching founders and sales leaders how to build a scalable and successful sales work. In this episode, I start out with getting Scott's input on a couple hot topics before jumping into how he's built a seven-figure sales consultancy. First, I want to jump off with this. I had a friend DM me yesterday on Instagram, and um, she was telling me how her manager encouraged her to quit because they found out she was starting a side hustle of her own that didn't conflict at all with what she was doing in her full-time job. It actually was just doubling down on her skill set. And I know you've talked a lot about um, this sort of approach where even in some cases people could work two, two jobs and what, what, what does the VP of sales care, right? Um, but what, what is your message to that manager that encourages their rep to quit you know, in spite, not like an encouraging thing. This isn't like yeah. go focus on your dream. This is a, well, if you're going to be distracted and you're not going to give us your all, then maybe you should quit and just focus on that. What's your message to to that manager? Am I allowed to say go fuck yourself? Yeah, I, dude. This is uh <laughs> when I when I when I uploaded it is uh not made for children. Is that that checkbox is is clicked? I mean, it's just really antiquated thinking, is what it is. Mm. You know. You think that uh, somebody's going to be distracted or not focused. Really, what you're getting is somebody who's inspired and somebody Mm -hmm. who's driven and somebody who's motivated and somebody who's actively trying to figure things out. You give me that person 100 times out of 100. There's also just an enormous level of hypocrisy with it because it, it all depends on what that project or side hustle is, right? Now, let me give you a couple examples. Let's say that this particular friend of yours uh, had told their boss that in order to make ends meet and make some extra money, they were bartending. Are they, would the boss tell them to quit, you think? Right. What about, uh, what about driving an Uber? Mm-hmm. What about uh, something that I've started doing again after 15-year hiatus, which is uh, refereeing youth soccer games? Nice. Am I distracted? Well, it's not about the project. It's not about having a project then. It's mm-hmm. about what is the project. Right, exactly. Because those things in, innate to them, they're separate from yes. your work from home job. They take you somewhere else. So they not just they don't conflict in theory, but in practice, they don't conflict. Right. Yeah. So as long as this particular person is doing well in their current role for this boss, mm-hmm. I don't know what the role is, but if they're, you know, hitting their meeting numbers and having a good attitude and hitting their revenue goals and this type of thing. Or if they're in marketing, they're delivering the right number of leads or MQLs or whatever dumb metric that they're tracked on, right? As long as all those things are in order and this person has a good attitude, is not cancerous or a distraction or anything like that, it is none of your damn business how they spend their own time. If you're DJing on the side, great. If you're driving an Uber because you want to or need to, great. Mm-hmm. If you are coaching other salespeople that are 20 years your junior, great. In fact, I would be 
not disappointed, but I would feel bad if I was the boss and Derek told me, yo, I have to, uh, I'm bartending on the evenings to make ends meet because I'd feel like, fuck, man, I got to get this guy. I got to help this guy sell more because I don't want him having to do that. But if you were like, hey, um, I've been teaching these kids at, you know, UT how to sell in this little training program and they're paying me, you know, 50 bucks an hour or whatnot. I'd be like, fuck yeah, because you know what you're doing? You're working on your craft. You're thinking about your craft. One of the best ways to get better at something is to do what? Is to teach somebody else how to do mm, it. Right. So this manager advising your friends or not advising, but sort of shooing them out the door. Right. Antiquated thinking it is really, really dumb. And, and they're going to have a hard time attracting and retaining talent with that kind of mentality. It should be the opposite. You should be able to socialize that with your manager, your boss, your VP of sales, whoever that person might be, and then embrace the idea of it. Assuming, again, some of these things check off, right? It's kind of like the idea of the person who's out building their brand, but they're not performing in their role. If I'm that manager, I might have something to say about that. You're giving advice online, yes. but I don't see you applying it here in your day to day. But that aside, if they're doing good for the company and they have this aspiration, then and you can't fulfill that entrepreneurial desire that they have, then isn't it, you know, I'm on you to get behind that person and support them? My first client was a referral from a, a VP of sales who I reported to. He knew that I wanted to jump off and do consulting. He knew I had this concept that I was brewing on. I didn't have any consultant, any any consultant clients or anything like that. I wasn't even moonlighting. But it was something I was leaning into and I was trying to build a brand around it. And I was leaning that direction. He knew this. And so when I became available, he was the first person actually that recommended me for uh, my first client. So I think that's what I told this person is it should just be the opposite. This person should be in your corner, one of your biggest advocates, if anything. And uh, to, the, to that point, even maybe even recommending people your way. Um, yeah, that, what it, that's what ahead, you sorry. want, because because if you're if you're really in leadership, for the right reason, mm. your job is to help people get where they're trying to go, wherever Bottom that line. is. Bottom line. Wherever that is. Yep. My job is to help you go from point A to point B. That's my job. And once I've helped you do that, if I have nothing left to offer you or whatever, I've done my job and I should celebrate that you've graduated from, you know, whatever Scott can teach you. Right. Right. That should reflect very well on me. You know, I can't even tell you how many times I had people promoted off my team. And when I was, you know, 27 years old, I was like, fuck, what am I supposed to do? I, all these, <laughs> I turn people into studs and then they leave and I have to start from scratch. And then, you know, wisdom kicked in and I'm like, yeah, yeah. selfish jackass, Scott, that is your job, dude. Because if you are actually a good coach, trainer, whatever, you can take new raw talent and keep developing them. That's the job of a coach. And not just watch them go to President's Club, but watch them get married, watch them have kids, watch, watch them, them start a business. Business, exactly. Yes. Exactly. That's the, the true then, measure of, of effective yeah. leadership. And right? then you get these messages back years later when you're old like me, you get these messages <laughs> back that are like, bro, thank you. Yeah. I've been doing this. I still remember this conversation. I wanted to thank you for doing that for me. That the, all these things come back and you're like, I actually made an impact. 
Well, that's it's funny you say that because in one of the interviews I was listening to that you gave, you talked about how you didn't start sharing content on LinkedIn and social media for a while. It wasn't like a, an A1 priority for you. You were doing the work and you had a network already when you kind of made this jump. And so when you started building, I'm sorry, creating content, I remember you making a point about how it was a um, recruiting tool. Yeah. It was helping you find talent. And so it's the same thing here. You have these people walking around as your mini champions of how you've helped, you know, change their life and helped encourage them, whether it was in that setting, helping them meet their targets or just become a better person. It's the same coach effect, right? Players on and off the field, you're having that effect in their lives. And later on, they're telling people about you and they want to go work for you now. Yeah. And that, <clears throat> that is word of mouth that you cannot buy. And you might not necessarily get rewarded near term, but long term. And I'm talking actual like financial reward, not even like intrinsic reward, like, oh, I feel good because I've helped these people. But it, it comes back. You know, Thanks. I can't tell you how many times I get these messages, these inbounds, basically. And people are like, Scott, I've talked to, you know, 47 people. And 46 of them said, you're the man. And only one of them said, that guy's an asshole, right? And it's like, okay, I'll I got 46 endorsements. <laughs> I don't even know who these people are who endorsed me or what I did, but I did something right. And then that person is coming in as a little bit hotter of a lead. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. do you now you're just checking that? off and confirming. You're not actually having to do a pitch and so forth. And that's yes. the beauty of you're, you your do, consulting. So you do these things to mm -hmm. help people because that's what you're supposed to do. And then you just trust that eventually it comes around and presents itself, you know, in some type of monetary reward that helps you eat and live other than just feels good personal fulfillment. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause I think most people want both. Next question for you. What do you say to the rep that's uh, been in sales for five minutes? Okay. Let's say, we'll say five years has had some success and isn't taking their manager serious because, or let's say, let's level it up when they're not taking the new consultant trainer who's in working with the team serious because they haven't sold in years. Right. So the, 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 the issue is it's hard for, uh, for some to take um, advisors, yeah. uh, See, even I managers, I see, all those, I see all those notes and the, the longer I'm away and on my own, the harder it is for me not to take them personally now. Right, right. It's triggering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a little bit. My initial feedback is, um, how do you think I ended up in this room with you? I, I sold your boss or your boss's boss. Like, what are you talking about? This consultant hasn't sold or this advisor hasn't sold. They literally just closed the deal and probably five to six figure deal, by the way. Right. <laughs> Not, you know, $300 a month deal or whatever. All my deals are six figures. So somebody, somebody says that to me, they're like, I don't know about your advice. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's working. You haven't sold for a while. I'm like, dude, I'm literally selling every single day. What are you talking right. about? Right. I'm selling consulting deals every single day. I'm selling tickets to events. I'm selling memberships to communities. I'm selling five, six-figure sponsorship deals. What are you talking about? 
I'm trying to sell a business for seven figures. Like, I don't know. I, I think that uh, it's kind of like this cool shtick thing to say to try to get a few laughs and whatnot. But I, I, it really sounds ignorant to me because I don't know a single advisor or consultant or coach who isn't selling every single day. Facts. They're not out of the game. What are you talking about? They're just playing the game differently. We'll, we'll talk about the manager angle, though, right? I mean, that that that's definitely warranted. If I've spent a lot of years as a middle manager and de- grappling with this with those that, you know, are having some success. And so immediately, typically, it's relatively early success, the sustainable stuff you respect, you get out of the way. But it's that early. I just had a, co- a good quarter. I've had a couple of good quarters. I'm untouchable. Now, why would I listen to your advice on cold calling? When's the last time you cold called? Well, if if I was that middle manager, I would probably let them fail, frankly. I would let them keep doing it the way that they want to do it. I would probably be like, you don't have to listen to me. I'm just telling you what I believe to be true, what has worked, what is working with these other people. You don't want to pay attention? Don't pay attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would leave them alone. Because inevitably, that person will crash at some point. Right. And sometimes people aren't ready to listen until they've smashed into the wall, right. until the circumstances are right. So I would not be trying to force my message on somebody. I'd probably just be like, hey, do it your way. I'm here. I'm, I'm here to help whenever you want. In the meantime, I just got motivated like nobody's business to take these other kids over here. Right. Show you what I can do with them. Superstars who destroy this know-it-all kind of person. Because the best case scenario is I built up these other people. They start dominating this kid over here who's kind of grouchy with me. That grouchy kid goes to those people and says, hey, what's going on? uh, How you doing so good? And and (laughs) those kids doing well are like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I just listen to Scott. Now that person comes back around and is like, okay, Scott, tell me about. <laughs> That's the best case scenario. Yeah, it is best case scenario. Yeah. Right? That's that intrinsic award you're talking about. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm also, you know, I'm also petty enough to be like, you want my advice? I'm going to go help these people over here. Right. And we're going to crush you. Right. But we've, we've all been there, man. You know, yeah. especially this happens a lot, I think, with people who show up new to an organization. They got their own ideas about how to sell something. They experience a little bit of success for whatever reason. They think they know it all. They don't want to listen to managers or whatever, right? And then they crash and they're like, I don't know what's not working. It's like, well, I'll tell you what's not working. The way you were doing it before was not sustainable. And here's why. Now right? let's, let's let's pick up where we left off in that conversation. It's very, di- still it's very difficult to, yeah. you're a middle manager it's very difficult to go to that person who's performing well and convince them that they need to change stuff. Right. So yeah. frankly, I don't spend my time there. Right. Well, there's the idea that coachability is paramount on, in hiring. And I think that's why we emphasize so much is because we know we ha- coaching is such a big part of what we do and why we look for that. But then there's also like the leading from the front part of it, because if managers were spending a quarter of their time a, f- a fraction of the time actually engaging on the front line and not just, you know, desk jockeying, yeah. then 
I think that helps address some of that credibility oh, issues. Sure. Well, right. I mean, there are far too many people who, who hope that their role consists of being the VP of spreadsheets. <laughs> far too many people. Flipping that. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, this goes for VPs who get hired into a company and, and don't want to like get on the phone and figure out how to sell stuff. This goes for sales managers or directors who are hired from outside the company who come into a new environment. This goes for people who are promoted from within. And once they get promoted, they're like, yes, I never have to close a deal ever again in my life. This is perfect. No, you want somebody to trust that you know what you're doing. You better show them, not just tell them, you better show them. And you better be able to remind them periodically. It doesn't mean I showed you once because a month, two months from now, guess what? They forgot that you showed them. Yeah. They don't remember. Yeah. And if new people- That one time up, you picked up the phone, yeah. Yeah, and if new people came on board, you hired new people, guess what? Those people didn't see you close that deal from before they got there. So you gotta, you gotta do it consistently, you know? And when you prove that it works, people are more apt to listen to you. Then when you help them through your method and they close the deal, now you're cooking. Now you're cooking with gas because they're like, okay, right. it's cool that you close that deal for yourself, but it's more cool that you close this deal with me because I get paid on it. Oh yeah, now they're now really they tuned in. in. Now they believe yeah. in you suddenly, right? I close a deal and I put it in your name just as, a, you know, you've been doing well. I, I've been seeing yeah. the effort. I'm here, you know, running my own patch, a mini patch here. I have 10 accounts I'm trying to do my thing with and I have a couple of deals in the yeah. And I never, I never, I never got paid on my own deals. Every time I closed my yeah. own deal, I just threw it up on the board and said, Hey, first person to do X, Y, Z today or the next few days gets my free deal. Boom. There's an idea right there for you guys. Mm -hmm. That's a hell of a spit. People care a lot more about that than a fucking Starbucks gift card. I'll tell you that much. Oh yeah. Let me start on the, yeah. The, the so-called recognition and spiffs. Yeah. Let me put it, put it in my paycheck. At the end of the yeah. day. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I appreciate that. I think that sets the stage. I want to unpack your practice, if I can, with you a little bit. Um, being that you are a highly seasoned and successful sales consultant, I'd be remiss if we didn't try and dive into the blueprint and find out what's in your recipe to whatever degree you're willing to share. So the current state is at least Navigator has you between 500 and a million in revenue. You've basically built a seven-figure sales consulting business. Am I accurate in saying that? I mean, the first thing, my first reaction is Navigator is underselling me. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I don't know how all that stuff works. Yeah, uh, yeah. seven-figure consulting business, yeah. I mean, I did, I did 2.3 million last year with one employee and like 96% margins. And you being the one employee? No, one employee other than me. So my first me. two years, it was just me. And then the start of year three, I hired uh, Jean-Marie to, to come on board and, and kind of run RevOps and add sort of a whole entire service line to my my business. So, you know, I, Break I, that the, down. First year I the first year I ever did this full time, I did 1.1 million. Second year, I did 1.7. Then I added an employee, I did 2.3. That's my, that's my three years, my three full years being in business for myself. Right. So first year you jump off having that level of success. Yeah. Is it attributed to a strong network 
and having people who knew you, what you're capable of, uh, was was that a big part of that? Because you don't get to a million dollars in consulting and billable hours or whatever your project stru- your fee structure is without some sort of momentum, I would imagine. So how do, you weren't oh, cold yeah. calling, that's for sure. Uh, to, to no, get to, yeah. honestly, honestly, I've never done um, outbounding in my consulting business. Right, right. So and that's just not normally how it works. It's like hiring a lawyer or an accountant. You, it's word, it's through someone. It's refer- yeah. introductions, right? Yeah. But you, you know, the part that it, people hear, like, "Wow, your first year, like, you did seven yeah. figures." Well, what you don't hear is, for sixteen years, I was a VP of sales, half dozen times, building and scaling startups from scratch, doing the same thing, over and over and over again. So I got really, really good at understanding this particular sprint, this particular ICP. I'm the zero to 25 million guy. I'm not trying to take your company public. I'm not trying to, you know, turn around this negative trend of your, your sales org or whatever. I'm this series A, series B guy. And I've done it way more times than most people were willing to do. So you know, you think like early stage VP of sales or consultant, hopefully my name is at the top of the list. It's not one of many, right? A lot of people, they go be a VP of sales one time, they build, scale this company. They never want to do that thing again. Mm. And they go, they're like, well, I got to learn how to do this now. I got to learn how to do that now. Right? So you become like a master of none and okay at many. Well, I didn't think that that was the right way to do it. I was not enamored with like, oh, I have to be a VP at a publicly traded company now. I was like, I'm gonna get so fucking good at this one thing that I'm the first name on the list. So then what I did was I started doing the job of a consultant on the side while I was a VP of sales. Okay. So I didn't- And your, and your bosses were okay with that? They didn't, they didn't tell yeah. you to quit and <laughs> go do that? No, because back to what we first started <laughs> first started talking about, right? Yeah. If I'm doing my job, what do they care? Mm-hmm. What do they care, right? The moment I start struggling, they're all up in my shit. Oh, you're writing too much on LinkedIn, or maybe you have too many side projects going on. You shouldn't go to Costa Rica, da, 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 da. If I'm doing what I need to do, they leave me alone. So I start building. So, you know, I got my regular income over here, right? And I got my kind of coaching consulting income over here. And then I start thinking, well, how can I, you know, get a little bit more of this side stuff? I don't want to be this W2 employee forever. So I write a book. ceiling. Mm -hmm. I write a book and I get my sales philosophy down. I wrote this book called Addicted to the Process. Then I start this uh, micro uh, conference, Surf and Sales. I keep building my brand. All, all these things keep stacking on top of each other, right? And before you know it, I'm making as much from side stuff as I am from my regular job. And once I got to that point, I'm like, I don't need this W-2 anymore. So how long did that period take, though, from? Probably seven years. Of side hustle. Seven years of just like doing some stuff on the side and kind of growing things. I moved to Austin, Texas from San Francisco in 2011. It was really 2011 when I first started like dabbling in some other stuff. Gotcha. And it wasn't until 
probably 2016, 17, where I was making substantial money, not matching, but like substantial on the side. And it wasn't until 2019 where they matched, right? So you're talking about like slow growth. Right. Playing the long game. Yes. And it's not like it wasn't rewarding being the VP of sales. Like I'm trying to swing for the fence, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm making okay money, but I'm also trying to get, you know, unicorn equity and all this kind of thing, right? So I can maybe have a windfall one day. <clears throat> but I get these things matched and I'm like, I don't need this anymore. I've done this shit six times. There's nothing else for me here. What's the worst thing that can happen if I bail now and go all in on myself? The worst thing that happens is I fail and I have to go get a VP of sales job. Oh, well, I already know I know how to do that. So I played it very slow, man. I wasn't one of these guys that's just like quit, start from zero. Right. You know where I started? You, you, you pay attention to, to football. Like you talk about field position. You know where I started? I started on the fucking 50 yard line, dude. Right. I didn't start on my own one yard line. So when I left him on my own, I already had a couple hundred thousand dollar book of business worth of clients and stuff that I was doing. And once I jumped off, now I have all this free time to like do more stuff. Right. So and that's probably what's uh, you, you hit a trigger there for me because I know you have a history with uh, health issues and you've shaped, you've been open about that. Yeah. which I, I appreciate. Thank you. And I'm, I'm glad you're committed to being open and talking and sharing that stuff like more people should. But was the, is that the driver, though, too? Because I'd be saying we're optimizing for income. That's great. You're making the money and we're talking dollars and cents. But you just mentioned more time to do what you want to do. Was that really more of the driver of saying, hey, life is short. I need to, you know, spend more time with family, doing things that I love and not. It, it, was that the message or were you just straight up like i'm trying to get paid and i'm, I'm trying to you know wealth no, creation it's, it's all of the it's all of the above all like above. i was i'm 45 now so i must have been 42 when i went on my own there's only so many times i wanted to listen to a 22 year old founder tell me what to do so that becomes part of it there's only so many times i want to try to teach these salespeople how to do stuff and help them get where they're going before you get a little bit jaded and you're like, oh, I don't even know if I have it in me to talk to this dude, Derek anymore. Right. So you run out of gas a little bit. Then you think I can make more money doing this thing on my own. I have spent almost two decades making founders multi, multi-millionaires. And all I got is this fucking t-shirt to show for. <laughs> right. Yeah. So there's that part. Then there's the health part you talked about, which is just like, it is very stressful being a VP of sales. I was in the office at six, six 30 in the morning and leaving at six, seven o'clock at night for decades, decade plus. That's not. Amazing. Were you maintaining a healthy lifestyle at the same time? Like, were you just pounding coffee all day? And no, I don't. So I, I, most people would say that I was maintaining a pretty healthy lifestyle. Hmm. You know, I don't drink coffee. I don't eat fast food. I don't, I don't eat drink sodas. I don't eat sugar. Like, but the stress alone, this, this, this yeah. hidden stress. And I'm the type of person that shoves the stress down. So I think I'm fine. I don't think I'm stressed. My gut, which is my problem, tells a different story. Right. So I started thinking, Man, I don't want to have to report to somebody. It would be more 
freeing to not have to deal with that, be less stressful. I don't want to have to commute into work. That's a stressor for me. I don't want to have to be in an office full of 500 people who get exposing me to germs all day long because I got a weak immune system. So I wanted to be able to, you know, go to my kids who were getting older, go to my kids' games and practices. You know how many times I would have to go to my boss and be like, hey, my kid has a, a five o'clock game today. I got to get out of here at like 4.15 today. And I'd get this crazy eyed look like, what are you talking about? I don't want to deal with that shit. Just the anxiety of sending that message or like walking to that office. Like I shouldn't yes. have to like, it should just, oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah the, the health stuff is, is a part of it. The financial stuff is a part of it, you know, as well. But I didn't, I didn't start, like I said, I didn't start on the goal line, man. I started probably on the 50 yard line and then I have time to do all this other thing. So I partnered and built this Thursday night sales business. I built this Patreon uh, business. I wrote more books. I started dabbling in investing. I started doing this, that, and the other, right? I started learning about, you know, how I could use my network to make money through affiliate deals and, and referrals and stuff like this. So I, I just started looking at myself, not necessarily as like a consultant, but as an entity. And I don't care how I'm getting paid as long as I'm getting paid. So I have all these different streams <laughs> yeah, love that. into one ocean. Yeah, they all right. feed into one place. Right. right. The umbrella effect. Have you ever read uh, the, the Wealthy Speaker? No. This is a fun fact about me. I'm not very not well reader. read. You, you, I bet you've you read a ton of like, books back there. <laughs> yeah, I have. And, I, and, I, and I've read 90% of them. But yeah. it takes me ages to read stuff. You know, I used to well, read. When I was okay. younger, was I used to read a lot and read real fast. But it's very hard now. Not, isn't that wasn't a test? It's a, it, 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 it talks about that, and, and I'll, I'll put it yeah, in the well, for those who are listening. I should have read it without reading it. It sounds like I, you're, yeah, exactly, it, exactly. Right? You're living in but proof that's of it already. It's like yeah. I get a little bit from here, a little bit from there, but my core offering, thank you, I got because I had the experience and I put in the time. I had a massive network. You're talking about thousands and thousands of salespeople that I had hired and or fired over 16 year career. You're talking about tons of founders and CEOs that I had helped directly as their employee or through friends of friends. So I had my old CEOs would reach out and send their friends my way. I have VC networks who would send me people because, you know, Menlo Ventures and 8VC would be like, well, Scott helped this company do great. We have these other portfolio companies. We should have them talk to. Scott. So was that serendipitous or was it like intentional? Did you like have to go to them at some point or, Hey, I'm in this thing. I'm doing this. I'm available. Holler at me if you need me. Or was it just people just knew to call you serendipitously? I think more serendipitously than strategic. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> now that, that being said, you know, when I left to go out on my own, I let people know you know, I announced it and what have you and sent a few messages out, but I didn't go out there messaging 500 yeah. VC firms. You weren't taking people out to lunch and doing dinners and I do, listen, I don't do any of that stuff. <laughs> I don't do any of that, that kind of thing whatsoever. And the compounding effect of like being in so many places, doing so many different things, brand awareness increasing, people just start finding you know their way and if you do good work for them by the way right if you help them and do it well and you're pleasant to deal with 
people talk. Work for the referrals and the revenue will sometime, come. Sometimes this word of mouth that just makes their way back to you, you know? Can you categorically just break down though? So if I, if you're making, let's say 2 million a year, is it predominantly coming from consulting and training or is it the auxiliary stuff is that's, that's just as much? Cause I know you have an online training course, which uh, is the blueprint you're calling it. The untethered, the untethered blueprint. Yeah. Right. And then you have book sales. Um, you have these other businesses. So yeah. is that, how you, the, the, if, the if I'm a thing. new consultant, like what, what am I aiming for in terms of like breaking that? I know you probably don't have it like you know, in, a, in a dashboard somewhere, but well, generally speaking. I got to rewind the tape for a minute because I got into consulting not to make what I was making as an employee. I got into consulting because that was how I was going to make seven figures. Right, exactly. Now, way too many people, I think, go into consulting because they think, well, I can just make what I was making before while working less and having more free time. And it's true, like a lifestyle now, business. That, yeah. That's fine if that's what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to feel that way when you're 25, 26 years old and you got five sales, five years of sales experience. When you're 45 years old and you got a mortgage or two or three or four and you got two teenagers, you got a spouse or a partner or an ex-wife or whatever, both. Right? <laughs> you got health problems. Mm -hmm. My point is life is fucking expensive. Right. Right. It's expensive, man. And you don't know this until you go through certain things. Everybody is one health crisis away from being fucking broke. Just sit with that for a second. Now, I know this because I've been through it. So. I don't like when these people bail and they're like, I can go make a six figures over here. I can go make a hundred grand doing my own thing. So what, dude? Why? Why leave now? Leave when you have a path towards seven figures because that will change your life. That will change your life. And the main thing has to be the main thing. You can't get so distracted from all these different things you could do as Derek Williams, the consultant, if your core business of actually consulting is bringing in hardly anything, that has to be the anchor tenant. If you know the concept in strip malls of an anchor tenant, it's like the grocery store is the anchor tenant that feeds business to all the other retail spots next to it, right? Your main business, coaching, consulting, advising, whatever you want to call it, that's got to be the main thing. So if you take, you know, 200K a month, which is essentially what I was making last year, you're talking about probably 70% of it just being the consulting and the other 30% being these odds and ends, right? I might have one month where I make 30, 40 K in affiliate revenue. The next month I might get a fucking goose egg in affiliate revenue, but I don't care because that month I goose egged affiliate revenue. I had a surfing sales event in Costa Rica and I made 40 grand to go surf for a week, right? The main thing you want to have as constant as possible. The only time I get stressed out in my business now is when my main thing starts to ebb and flow too much or dip too much, or I feel like I don't have enough pipeline in my main thing. Then that's when I get, you know, the stressors. I'm like, uh oh, because now I got to rely on all these side kind of things right, right. that are a little less consistent. Right. 
So that's the Fair breakdown enough. for you. Fair enough. Last, last question for you. How do you get better as a sales consultant? You've done a ton of stuff historically. And your track record speaks for itself, no doubt. Your network sings your praises. You have a, a resume on LinkedIn that's you know strategic advisor multiple times over. I, I lost count. But yeah. But what do you what do you and I know you engage with, you know, you have you have a you have a partner with Richard and you have you know you have these you know adventures that you're into, but how do you stay sharp as a consultant to make sure that the advice you're giving or when you're training is the sharpest and the freshest stuff? Well, one thing I try to do is um is take on clients in different segments of of the market, right? Oh, so yeah. I work with um, an enterprise client and then I work with a B2C client and then I'm in a mid-market client. So I'm in my mind, at least, keeping my skill set skill set sharp, selling to all these different types. I'm industry agnostic. So it's not like Derek is the real estate consultant. That's tough, man. Because now you're pigeonholed in this one thing. Agreed. So I'm I'm in this space of I'm in CS, I'm in healthcare, I'm in insurance, I'm all I'm all over. So I'm a, I get a little bit insulated from any one market downturn. But what I'm also doing is shit, you know how hard it is to try to sell to 10, 12 different types of buyers all the time forcing function to stay sharp you have to do Big that time, due diligence yeah i'm selling to different buyer personas right so the mm. messaging that i use is different the objections that i overcome are different all the time the pain points are different that keeps you sharp that's like being a, a multidisciplinary you know ninja right, right? right. yeah, like, yeah absolutely. so that's part of it uh the second part is you know you learn to communicate in, in, in such a way that gets to the point and bypasses fluff and a little bit of feelings. I think, you know, a lot of consultants, like let's say you get a new client today, Derek, they're going to pay you 10 grand a month, 20 grand a month, whatever. When you're brand new, you're like, I don't want to say anything that might ruffle these feathers because this dude is paying me a lot of money and I really like it. But what happens is if you don't push back, if you don't tell them things that they need to hear, mm. you don't actually get the results that you're looking for and you get penalized for it down the road. Now, you can't just come in guns blazing, bull in a china shop and be like, Derek, everything you're doing is fucked. It's not going to work. Your so baby is good. ugly. <laughs> yeah. So getting good at telling somebody their baby is ugly without offending them but making them love you for it, that's a, a skill set that you have to practice all the time. And you practice it by just doing it and, and you know, rehearsing it over and over and throwing it out there, knowing that if you say it, you might lose this deal or piss this person off. It's like, this is what you need to hear, man. Whether you buy from me or not, ultimately, I don't care. I'm going to tell you something right now that's going to help you. Right. My job isn't to tell you what you want to hear. My yes. job is to tell you what you need to hear. So that will force you to get better. And when you get better, your paycheck gets bigger. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been great. Uh, where should people go if they want to 
find you, learn more, and tap in? Well, the the easiest place to go is just hit me up on LinkedIn. You know, I I try to be consistent there um, once or twice a day, five days a week or so. I respond to all of my DMs that aren't, you know, some obvious sales pitch, pitch something like that. <laughs> Anybody that needs help, stuff like that. Um, and then uh, you can check out scottleesconsulting.com. That's my main website where I work with startups and founders all around the world. And uh, if you're looking for a cool little event to go to, you want to get out of town, you can check out surfandsales.com. It's the uh, longest running micro sales conference in the world now. You've been listening to the Sales Consultant Podcast. If you enjoyed the interview and would like to support the show, please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and or on Spotify. Please also consider following our LinkedIn page. If you're an industry expert or if you know an industry expert that should be on the show, message us on LinkedIn at the Sales Consultant Podcast.